Hello and welcome to Vagabond Actors Podcast, where we discuss all things acting related. And my name is Gary Condes, and I'm talking to you from London. I'm joined by my fellow comrades in arms, my compadres, my fellow musketeers. They are actors <laughs> and acting coaches. Andrea Helen, who is based in Mallorca, but originally hails from the United States of America. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We, I'm full of beans tonight, so watch out. You are full of beans. I like it. I like it. Let's see what it leads to. <laughs> Great. And we also have uh, other musketeer, the brains behind the podcast. Oh, you're too <laughs> kind. The motivation behind the podcast. <laughs> Andrea and myself are just trailing in your wake. It is Brian Casp, who is based in Prague, the Czech Republic. Hello, everyone. Good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I love the way you get, you get kind of English uh, when you get introduced. Yeah. You become Hello. very American when you get into the topics. And, mm. you you know, you're pull on with your... So polite view. at the beginning. Yeah, you're all... Like a ruse. Yeah. I suck you in and then, and then chew you up and spit you out. Yes. Um, you are. Absolutely. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, I wanted to give everyone a garden update. Um, <laughs> it's actually alive. I watered. I actually watered the plants, and they responded to it. And so, my tomato plant has sprung back to life, uh, and everything is going well. It, we're we're really excited about it. It's really great. So, I'll I'll continue to give you guys updates as we go. Let's see. Work wise, the Czech Republic really is doing a lot of great PR. The person who runs our film commission is an ex assistant director and kicks so much ass. And they have been doing amazing amounts of PR to let the Hollywood producers and production companies know that the Czech Republic is basically open for business. And we'll see how it how it works. I, I think people are cautiously optimistic. Great. Have you Great. had any? Yeah. Have you had any uh, acting classes since we last spoke? Yeah, we had our first uh, look at scenes in my regular mm -hmm. acting class, mm -hmm. and I think people were pretty blown away. I think when you start to look at scenes from a Meisner perspective, mm. uh, when you've been doing improvisations and and doors and activities and just repetition exercises, it, it's quite a shock to see how that stuff actually matches up to when you have a text. Mm. It's amazing how the students, when they start breaking the spine of the scene and really looking at how they can incorporate someone else's words into okay. connect, a real connection and into responding to someone moment by moment, even with the text of the scene right in front of them, they're not improvising at all and they're not acting very much, but just allowing this interaction with the other person to impact them when they have other words, it, there's some amazing things that can happen. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they can really feel, oh, that's what it's like when I just leave myself open, I don't hold on to the words, I connect with this other person and see what happens. And this is what can happen versus I know where the scene is going. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know how I'm supposed to say this. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I want the other person to do. And realizing that that place of knowing actually is quite dead at the end. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a really great... Uh, learning that I think a lot of the students had. 
You have had a very busy week. <laughs> yes, I try. You have been gardening. You have been running class. Well, I watered. I, I watered. It's different. It's balcony gardening is, I took a, I watered basically. Okay. But you did. I don't want to oversell. I don't, I don't want to oversell my garden. <laughs> Listen, you did some gardening. You run some classes. You see, all the food groups were represented. This that's week. right. That's right. I'm doing it. I'm getting it done. So, Andrea, that's someone who's getting it done. Uh, what, what have you been up to? Have you been as busy? It's been a busy time, I have to say. I've been doing some video projects, which I mentioned last time, and it's a more casual format. But really, at the moment, I'm producing, writing, starring, etc. I'm sort of it's a one it's a one woman band. And that's been a lot of fun. So I'm getting some good feedback on that. And I'll be doing some more of that this week. What is that about? Actually? What's the well, It's for different industries, for the real estate industry, because I also work in real estate. Ah. And, um, and it's, so it's producing videos for properties in a very personal way. Um, helping people to experience it because now, you know, it's so challenging for people to be able to go and see a property themselves. So it's really finding a bridge to help people feel the essence for me, the essence of a property or a setting and try and translate that in some way while giving, you know, factual information. So it's a bit like we actors refer to as a commercial job. But it's it's been a lot of fun to do, so I, I'm having I'm having a good time with that. Yeah. What, so about, what about you, Gary? Gary? What's what about, new in London Town? Um, as you know, I've been working a lot, sort of one to one online, FaceTime and Skype, with uh, with my coaching. Um, but this week, yesterday, in fact, I started and I did my very first online Zoom class. So, How did it go? Yeah, that was very cool. Uh, because we had a whole bunch of actors from various parts of the world, many Finnish, mm-hmm. because the uh, the drama school that I'm uh, that is hosting me is based in Helsinki, Finland. So there's some Finnish actors, obviously, but there were actors from that area of the world, from Estonia, from Russia, Bulgaria, sort of Eastern Europe, and Northern Europe. It was a very interesting, strange, but but positive experience. Um, strange in the fact that, yeah, you've got this sort of audience in little boxes on Zoom that are hanging on to your every word, and there isn't as much feedback to go off because obviously, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. virtual. And, you know, as you both are aware, both being teachers and coaches and, and being in classrooms a lot, that even if you've got your back turned to them, you, you can you can sense things and you can hear things and, and, and you know, and, and you can pick up on every little thing. Whereas virtually it's like, okay, I'm not sure how this is really going down. Um, um, they all have their microphones muted. They probably had their videos turned off. You're like, is anyone here? Yeah. Am I, t- yeah. Am I talking for me yeah. or are you listening? Exactly. Well, there yeah. was there was that process where we turned. I muted everyone in case you know because people were in different houses and different rooms, obviously. So therefore, therefore they may have some um, some sound that comes in that would uh, you know affect everybody. So I was kind of I, I was like an evil genius. I was master of of what was going on. I could mute, unmute, can control all of this this whole thing that was going <laughs> on like a conductor, and it was. And if you want to learn more about control and Gary's control issues, go and listen to our control podcast. Oh, I can't so remember true. what number it is. And really, you guys, uh, how many times have you been in a live person class when you've wanted to have a mute button? 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. So I would ask, we got into a procedure where I would, um, I, I tried to involve them. We didn't do so many exercises. We did one, but I, I, I involved them. We, it was the first day, so I kind of, I talked about what we were going to do and we gave them context and I, I gave them a, a set of procedures. And uh, But I did ask questions for them to answer. And um, yeah, we'd, you know, mute and then unmute and, and they'd put their hands up. And But it was a very... It, it was a very strange situation. It was easier than I expected, but also kind of colder than I expected mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's you can really feel the distance. Yeah. Really. That interface going through the computer screen really creates that distance. Really. So that's what I've been doing. I've been I've been starting my my journey on online courses and classes. Mm. Oh that's fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'll save it. For the, I'll save it for our third segment. Just, you just reminded me of something. I'm going to save it for okay. later. Okay. Okay. Save it. Save okay. it for later. <laughs> this episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now, look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner. And if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put VAGABOND25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. So we've touched on it in various places throughout our illustrious podcasting career. But I wanted to to have one podcast focused on how an actor's mindset, and that is not just about the work itself, but also, and in a large part, mostly, at least 50%, about the difficulty of the career, how an actor's mindset can be a helpful thing, a hurtful thing, how you can adjust it, how you can make it more positive or more present so that the challenges that an actor faces, namely rejection, your career not moving as fast as you want it to, your career moving into a direction that you don't want it to, like you are getting a lot of roles, but it's all in one area and you'd like to be moving in a different area and why can't people see that? An actor's career is fraught with pitfalls of bad, bad thinking. And it's just difficult to keep a positive outlook when there's so much against you. So I wanted to open it up and see if people had strategies for how you personally deal with it, how you coach your students through these difficult times when there might be rejection or there might be something not going the way that they'd like to do, and and what your strategies are for dealing with having 
a positive or a constructive even mindset. So which one of you wants to start? Throw it over to Andrea. Great. <laughs> oh, let Andrea Sorry. talk about rejection. Something I understand. <laughs> well, no, we talk about understand. your wonderful positive mindset. That's it. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about rejection too. because the rejection is just a me- medium through which you talk about your <laughs> positive of mindset. Of course, but it's something that comes up so often, I think. And it's how so many actors and people who love actors and express their opinions to actors about their worries for their careers, uh, frame things. How do you deal with the rejection? How do you face rejection? Oh, I could never do that. I couldn't face the constant rejection. It's really one of the lenses that, uh, that many of us are dragging around with us. And so I think we have to kind of take that head on. First of all, the thing that always comes to me, and this is from my own experience, it's how I've advised my daughter and in any performances that she's done or pursued, you know, there's a really practical matter around all of this. And you do have to make some determinations about the very practical aspect of our work. There's a story being told in a film that's produced by X production company starring Brad Pitt and George Clooney, and there either is or is not a place for you. You know, you could be walking into something that is really clearly cultivated with your type in mind, or maybe they don't know yet, but you don't have control over that piece. That's what I want to say. This is something that is outside of yourself that you may or may not become a part of. And if you can learn early on that there is this aspect of it that really is beyond your control. And so sometimes we're just not the right fit. A really quick story. I used to do some modeling as well, and I'm six feet tall. The movie Dave with Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein was being, was being made. Now, Sigourney Weaver's six feet tall. They were doing the poster for this. So they were looking for body doubles for the two of them. So I happened to exactly match Sigourney Weaver's sizes, and I booked the job. So I show up on set, and I'm doing all of the cover photography, the poster photography with the actor who's Kevin Klein's exact body double in terms of sizes. And midway through the shoot, there's some, there's some rumblings and I can't figure out what it is. And so I've been alone in the dressing room with all the different wardrobe choices. And now another actress comes in and joins me in the dressing room. And then 20 minutes later, another actress joins me in the dressing room. And I'm like, this is not, this isn't interesting. How tall are they? They're like five, seven, five, eight tops. So Literally on the job, they're bringing in shorter actresses slash models to take over my work because when they saw it, you know, in person, they said, we want to make a shift to the concept. I mean, that was a rough day. That was a rough day to then be told, okay, great. Thank you for your work. You'll be paid for it. You can go home and we're going to keep working. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was a great lesson in Letting go, seeing this is a very practical matter, that there are just some pieces I have no control over. I'm just a piece of this collaboration. And 
they decided that he needed to look taller. So I'm really grateful for that lesson. I mean, I was in my early... He's like, can't you get an apple? Have you ever heard of an apple box? <laughs> I know. Can you put him on an I, apple box? Yeah. You, yeah. I know you have a whole bunch of them. Just and, get one. And guess what? I have knees. You should have pitched I that. have knees and I can use them. I, I could actually yeah. put them down. But they... I can be shorter. Yeah. I can be shorter. But, and of course, all of that ran through my brain, but it helped me to separate my own desire to work from the product and the idea of the product. And certainly, we know we've talked about this um, in our podcast with these wonderful commercial agents based out of the UK. You know, sometimes it's just not about you. So I think this is a really important piece to try and wrap your brain around. Um, there's less hurt there and more acceptance and, um, and graciousness that can come if you can do that. And then secondly, I would say, you know, if you can sort of strategize for yourself how you want to go about this, whether this, this means, you know, really looking at, at the programs that are out there, the television programs, the movies that are out there that are of interest to you and to cultivate, I hate to say your brand because that sounds so 2020, but um, really cultivate a sense of where you think you belong in terms of storytelling and then set your sights and the work of your business on being a part of programs and products that you feel you're really in alignment with. That's going to help you put your energies into a productive way of functioning. And then, you know, sometimes when you've left an audition and you've not done your best and you know it, you know, there is a lesson to be learned there. There's something to take in. And that's exactly the time to, to go back to the drawing board and, and to make assessment, to make honest assessment with yourself. Did I not prepare enough? Um, did I make some weak choices? Did I go in looking nervous? Did I, was I not polite in the room? You know, what was the thing that you weren't pleased with? And then pivot and you know if there's no lesson then it is what it is then just keep going i mean train practice your craft read as much as you can develop skills develop your vocal ability develop martial arts skills develop dance skills whatever it is practice movement and yoga create your own films with your iphone for goodness sake like get on about it. I think that is the most yeah. important thing that you can do to keep your mindset in a proactive and positive space. You know, are you going to be a part of the solution or, and are you going to be disciplined about that? Or are you going to sit back and let everybody else, you know, make determination for you? I think, you know, the more you stay connected to your own personal mission, what it is in your soul that drives you to do this in the first place, um, the easier it is to handle those moments of disappointment um, and let them just be, be, be fuel for your own fire. I found that when I was, particularly when I was training for a long period of time, I was reading biographies and autobiographies of performers and artists. And this helped me enormously. Not just that I was reminded of, you know, the early years at Actors Studio and Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman and Robert Duvall were living together and working all these odd jobs and studying and everything. That was certainly a part of it, to be reminded that we may see 
you may see the fruits of the labors of, of our top performers, but we cannot forget what they've been through, the work that they've put into developing themselves yeah. and craft. And I found it extremely helpful to, you know, deconstruct all of that for myself and to honor the process of their lives and of their craft development. And, and that was a tremendous reminder for me to allow time and dedication to have a place in my work and to not be dissatisfied with um, the pace at which things were going and to not to not receive the news of my peers, if they booked something wonderful, if they had an advancement, to not receive that news in a stingy way, but to be genuinely supportive and happy and grateful for, for their progress. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of ways at which you can come about it. You know, be real with yourself and at the same time, never stop feeding that, that hunger and that drive with truly inspirational work and dedication amazing gary yeah it's all yeah it's all, drop, drop some wisdom on us all great stuff but you're going to find this amusing based on what your little story just there um andre if that's what you want to call it i i i wrote produced and starred in a short film called a little bit older and a little bit taller and it was about an actor not getting a role because he wasn't tall enough and (laughs) not quite old enough Uh, and basically it's set in a uh, restaurant where two actors who are friends are talking about a project that they want to get off the ground a theater project and uh, one of them gets a phone call from quentin tarantino and he takes it. He ends the call, and his his partner across the across the table, his friend says, "Who was that?" And it's like they get into this whole thing. And apparently, um, Quentin Tarantino has offered him a job. Anyway, they carry on. They eat. So one one guy feels rejected. The one who hasn't had the call. The other one feels pretty good about himself. Then a few minutes later, another call comes in to the same guy, and. This time, he's been told that actually, on second thoughts, he hasn't been, he hasn't got the job. He's lost the job. So he's now uh, in the dumps. And the other actor who hasn't had the call is feeling pretty good because his friend hasn't got the job. And why didn't he hear about it? And then a third call happens, and the other guy gets the call from his agent, who now he gets the job. So the guy who got the job, uh, the call from Quentin Tarantino, is left really rejected and that's that's how it ends and there's this whole <laughs> subtext going on about trying to be nice to each other so you know your experience on dave uh, not so little story i apologize you have rather massive story i kind of uh yeah i know that so yeah when faced with rejection mm. well you know it's a reflection of of myself obviously but i'm kind of pragmatic about it rejection is a huge part of this industry and the sooner you understand that the sooner you can make friends with it and uh you know the first thing i do myself and advise others to do is get over it how do you do that well keep acting the best way 
to get past rejection for me is to focus on that part of your career, which I hope you love the best, which is acting. Mm -hmm. So get straight into a scene class and shine. Do your thing. Remind yourself that the art of acting and the business of acting are two separate monsters and Mm -hmm. reconnect to the thing that you can control, your art, your craft. And you're not defined by rejection. You're defined by your response to it. You know, acknowledge your mistakes if you've made any and adjust. You've got to take responsibility if you haven't delivered for castings or even on a job. Make a change. Make adjustments. It's an ongoing thing. You've got to understand that acting is not just for Christmas. It's for life. You're always going to have to make adjustments and get in the saddle and keep on keeping on. You know, it's easy to say stay positive. I do believe you have to because what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is falling down a hole and that is debilitating, isn't it? But how do you do that? How do you stay positive? Well, focus on the things that you enjoy doing, that you have have control over, because you do have control. It's like when you walk into an audition, you don't have control of who they pick, but you do have control of what you bring in the room. So, you know, chalk each rejection up to building a wealth of knowledge about how you may attack the next audition. If you love it, then you should be positive about wanting to better yourself, um, wanting to adjust. People don't get famous overnight from nowhere. Mm -mm. 99.9%, they've been doing it a while. An example of a way of being positive is to highlight Brian Cranston, who we all know from Breaking Bad, but he did Malcolm in the Middle before that. I think you called him a shit kicker. I was just about to call him a shit kicker again. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But he called that himself. He called himself a shit kicker, meaning that he was doing, he was a jobbing actor for a long time before Malcolm in the Middle. Mm -hmm. And he changed because he wasn't getting work. He started to get work and he used to get in a hole about about rejection. And he said that when he started to reconnect with the work and and what it was about being an actor and trying to divorce the business side from the art side for himself and taking pride and trying to allow himself just to focus on that and be present mm-hmm. in the environment where that happens, that work happens, then mm-hmm. he he started to change his mindset and he char- he started to um, put his focus on on the place where he could have some impact, which was mm-hmm. his work, rather than wasting time and worrying about all this other stuff outside of himself mm-hmm. and trying to compete and focusing on who else was in the room and how they looked and all of these cosmetic things that we all get into, particularly maybe early on in our career, to a greater or lesser degree. But once he started to just reconnect or at least give more attention to his art and his craft and go, you know what, I'm just going to make this a little performance, go in there, give it to them and come out, I feel good. And and he felt good because he went, well, there's there's power in that. There's control in that. There's something that I can make my own. And then if I need to adjust and I feel like I, I, I didn't do a great job, then I can go back to a class or go home and, and, and readjust it and fix it. That was a breakthrough for him. And once he adopted that sort of philosophy, he never looked back and he started to get book work mm. because he became positive by really focusing on his work. That's a big step there are other ways in i'm sure there is but that's a big step i believe to 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 maintaining a positive outlook because it's healthy 
you're really dealing with the core of why you're existing and why you're doing this thing in the first place. Um, I'd be interested to think if what your both your answers are to um, some people go, look, it's not personal. It really isn't. And other people go, well, it is personal. <laughs> um, work through that. If you've got that feeling, don't try and push it away. You know, yeah. this idea of taking it personally, because sometimes then actors feel like, well, what do you, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to be pursuing my craft and pursuing my business? If on the one hand you say I'm supposed to take everything personally to develop my craft and nothing personally to develop my business, you know, where am I supposed to straddle this line? I can see that it makes no sense on the face of it. So I I think you're right. You can take something personally, you can take it in and then process it with a certain perspective of the scenario you know, where you can yeah. step back and remove yourself. You can have the experience, you can scream it out, you can punch the pillow, and then you can take a breath and say, okay, you know, I really wanted this job. I really thought this was perfect. Um, I'm deeply disappointed. And yet I can't do anything about it right now. So on to the next, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. For me, as I, as I mentioned before, and it's hard to do this, if you're taking a rejection personally because this job was perfect for you and it was your job and you own it and you deserve it, and again, I know this is hard, but if you can get yourself in this space, it will save you a lot of hurt, then that is a fantasy of what that job would be that you are clinging to. Mm-hmm. And by putting weight into the fantasy of what the future was going to be about how wonderful the job would be or how wonderful the experience would be or how much money you would get from doing it or how much that job would further your career or whatever it was, then you are, by definition, not spending the time, as you guys have both talked about, in the present, in the work of it. Yes, it's not going to the next step, but you did do the step that you did. And you either did it and you kicked its ass and it still didn't work because it wasn't about you or you were too tall or too short or too whatever it was that is not about you personally and anything that you did. Or you didn't kick its ass and you screwed up and you didn't do your work and that's a learning experience that you can take from that. But you do have the thing that you did. That's the thing that you have. And so in that sense, the future fantasy isn't personal. The decisions that people are making for the great majority of times are not personally about you. If you are in the room, if you are auditioning, and especially if you get a callback, as we already talked about, yes, they liked you. Mm-hmm. They liked what you do. And by not booking that job, It doesn't mean that you did it wrong. It means that someone else fit their idea of what it should be better. Mm -hmm. And they could be wrong. And you might curse them and it might be really painful in the moment. But it doesn't take away the experience of what you did to get to that place. So I think, yes, take the work personally, but the decisions that are made from whatever the business side of the work is, the rationality of knowing this is not a decision that I have control over. And so I am not going to spend my energy worrying about what I could have done differently. There's a few things that I think are really important to just underline. The one thing that I love telling actors when they first 
join my class. I get a lot of trouble from it from my superiors when I'm teaching at the Prague Film School is that nobody cares about your career except you. Nobody is going to take the care to do your career except you. And so all of the career stuff, the networking, which we've talked about, the preparation, which we've talked about, the going to class, which we've talked about, all of that stuff is, as Gary pointed out and Andrea mentioned, that's all within your power. And nobody is going to do that work for you. So if you're not going to do the work, don't be surprised if that work doesn't happen and, and, you're, and, and you see the results of that. Another thing it's good to remember is nothing is owed to you. You're not owed that part, even if you haven't booked the other parts. It's great if you get it, maybe. Maybe it's not great if you get it. A lot of the hurt comes in, oh, that was mine and I should have had it. Well, it's not owed to you. So if you can remember that, then that helps ease the pain somewhat, I think. As you mentioned, Gary, with the Brian Cranston story, like nobody can stop you from acting. Nobody can stop you from getting a scene and getting a friend and doing the scene and learning from that experience. You may not be getting paid for it, but nobody can stop you from doing it. Right. There's another good thing to remember, which is that the competition never stops. Mm -hmm. No matter what level you're on, the next level has fiercer competition, better performers. There's a story that John mm -hmm. Hamm told after he had been the star of Mad Men, a huge breakout star. And they said, do you, did things get easier for you now that you're this huge star? And he said, no, because now when I go into a room, yes, I'm going for bigger roles, but in that waiting room are all famous people who have more clout than me, who have better resumes than I do, right? And there might not be 500 of them or a thousand or 2000 of them, but there's seven of them and all of them are gunning for it. And you better believe that people who are at that level, they're not passive. They are proactive and they're going after what they want. And so the competition get, actually gets harder as you go along, which is not meant to be discouraging, but you shouldn't feel like, oh, if I just get to the next level, then mm. things are going to ease up Yeah, because they aren't. Yeah. Right. And the only thing that you can do, as you guys both said, is do the work, keep yeah. busy. And it doesn't even have to be, of course, it's great if it is acting related work, but if you are just doing tasks and getting projects together, like you said, Andrea, working on skills mm -hmm. or working on accents or something like that, if you're doing the work, if you have a routine mm -hmm. that you do so that any particular job that you may or may not get is just going to fit into your routine mm -hmm. anyway. And if you get it, great. That's going to alter your routine. Maybe it's going to lead to something. Maybe it's not. And if you don't get it, then fine. You still have your routine. You're still on the path. And it's all stuff that you are responsible for, that you have pegged as a priority and a goal, and that you are doing. I've said before that my current guiding mantra is to take fulfillment from each step because you never know what the next step is going to be. If you're going to get to that next step, just in a storytelling mode, I happen to be cast in a film opposite John Malkovich. And I was number seven on the call sheet after, uh, I'll name drop a whole bunch here, but uh, so it was Numi Rapace, Orlando Bloom, Tony Collette, John Malkovich, and 
Michael Douglas, then another character, then me, right? That was, and I was in the, I was really in the film and all of my scenes were with John Malkovich and we shot it. It was a great experience shooting it. As we were shooting it, I was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be a huge star because this is going to be my break. And the film languished in post-production and when it did come out, it didn't really come out. Some people have seen it. Some people haven't. It's called Unlocked. And it got mixed reviews. And nobody really cared that I was there. Nobody really noticed that I was there, except for family when they happened to see it, because you can't really find it anywhere. And so this thing that going into it, and anyone who had auditioned for that part would have thought, oh my God, I lost an opportunity. You lost an opportunity to act with John Malkovich, which was a great experience. You lost an opportunity to be in that film and to have that credit, but you didn't lose an opportunity for a big break. The fantasy of what you think is going to happen is just that. It's just a fantasy until you actually get to that step. There's no way of knowing what that next step actually is and what it's actually going to do. I can't tell you how many actors I've been on a set with who are miserable on set, who are finding things to be upset about while they're on set. It's not it's, where they're at not good enough for them. You know, why aren't they happy? Why are they miserable? They've got a job. So Yeah. What? Well, they're miserable because they're sitting around a lot. They're miserable because their part isn't as big as they'd like it to be. Right. They're miserable because they're not getting the direction that they'd like. Yeah. If you are looking at things to be miserable about, you'll find them. Yeah. If you can look at every time you get to work, whether that's in a rehearsal room or a classroom or reading scripts or on a set as a day player or on a set as a minor character or on a set as a leading character if you look at all of that as a gift and take fulfillment from all of that, then the likelihood that you're going to feel that rejection when it comes is going to be much less. Right. And that's to me being positive because it's a natural positivity, not a false positivity, because you genuinely, authentically enjoy what you do, love what you do, and you try and find enjoyment even in the most mechanical, mundane elements of it because it's all part of the bigger picture. It's all part of the whole. Yeah, That's right. And, you know, and I know that. I know you love, Brian, acting and everything to do with it because, one, you instigated this whole thing about <laughs> But also you love talking about one's networks <laughs> and you know it's only someone who loves acting can can get involved in that element of it and you've just reminded me and it's so true and i think you can really sort the wheat from the chaff if i can be so bold as to say is that i i worked way back i was doing a play and i was playing the lead and it was in a small theater actually it was a fringe theater so anyway the point is is there was a, a policy where because it was that kind of theatre, if there was less people in the audience than the cast, the cast could vote not to go on. Not oh, to do the no. Performance. Mm -hmm. No. Because no one was getting paid and all the rest of it. And oh there were eight in the cast, seven or eight, and therefore there was five in that day or four. I think there was actually four people and there were six in the cast, if I remember. Mm. So, there, so that, that occurred. And I was the only one who said, I want to go on. 
That's yeah. yeah. They were like, well, why? Because there's only four people. I said, I don't care. I would actually go on if there wasn't anybody there and we just had to do a run for the director. Yeah. I'm an actor. I love this role. There's no fucking agents out there. There's no casting directors. There's no star seekers. I just love this play. I'm on the stage, which is what I want to do. And I feel that's where all of this work leads to is these couple of hours on the stage. And yeah. it's kind of what you're thinking. And that really fucking amazed me. I was like, really? You don't, you know, and basically because I was playing the lead, I vetoed it all and we, we got to do it. And they were okay. You're like, well, I'm going to play. I'll play all of your parts. Yeah. And- <laughs> well, you know what? They all gave go home if you want. Well, they all gave the best performances because they were so pissed off with me that we we actually brung it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of energy. <laughs> exactly, and it was actually a pretty pretty good performance. You know, blowing my own trumpet here of how dedicated I am. But anyway, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you no know, one else is going to blow it, so I might as well blow it myself. Exactly. Well, that's what that was my whole thing is nobody <laughs> cares about your career except you. Exactly. Right. You, if you don't care about your career. If you're not going to put the work in, nobody's going to do it for you. I, I know that's not exactly what we're talking about. Right. Here, and that might, and it might not be one-to-one with rejection because there are a lot of people who are doing all of the work that they can and still get rejected. Another friend of mine who is a really gorgeous actor, he really works on his body. And he, I was going to say he's African-American, but he's of African descent, but he's British. And he went to drama school and the only thing that he really wanted to do was to be on stage and to play Shakespeare. And what his experience was at drama school and subsequently was, you're the wrong type to play Shakespeare. Right or wrong, that's, that was what he was hearing a lot of, was that kind of rejection. And he was banging his head against the wall and banging his head against the wall. And eventually he didn't stop acting, but he switched and now he is going out for action movies and making a career of it. And so sometimes if you are facing a lot of rejection in a certain area, it's not a bad idea to pick your head up out of the trenches and look around and say, what are my skill sets? What can I market myself as? And where are the opportunities that I might have a better shot at? To be honest, me moving to Prague really changed my career in a way that had I stayed in Los Angeles, I mean, yeah. I'm a average looking white guy who doesn't really have that much special going for him. I'm sorry to not blag the way I should as an actor, but honestly, how many of my type are there in LA? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, right? But in Prague, I'm one of maybe 50 of native English-speaking actors who have trained, right? Not even talking about type. And so sometimes if you are facing a lot of rejection over years, it might be time to pull your head up out of the trenches and say, where might I make an adjustment in my strategy mm-hmm. to see how I can change my situation so that I'm not just bashing my head against the wall and and feeling terrible. Right. 
you got to adjust. It's like a, a, a gyroscope in a rocket. The rocket goes off, goes actually because of the trajectory and all the forces that are acting down on a rocket, it strays off its core, yeah. but the gyroscope brings it back. It, you have to adjust, and it's mental illness if you don't at some point. There's got to be an, a certain amount of awareness if you are still wanting to, to do it. It might not be exactly where you thought you'd end up, but you are still doing it in some shape or form, and that's what's important, and you're being authentic to that gyroscope in you. Talking of Shakespeare and talking of loving it and not being miserable and having the opportunity. I've performed Hamlet to two pensioners and two dogs <laughs> in Wales. You got four paws. And during the big speech, four paws up. During the big speeches, the one of the speeches, they got their bowls, their food bowls out, and poured. Um, water and dog food into the bowls while I was performing. These dogs were eating while I was doing my thing. You know, and it's like this is brilliant. This is fucking brilliant. You know, <laughs> I'm just doing this for you. I don't care. You know, and it was different, and it was you know, we, yeah, it was we laugh, and there it wasn't you know electric. But I came into contact with a great piece of work. I just love what I do. I try and get better each day and then and better at the execution of it. And if you do it every day, you've got to do it in some shape or form. You've got to put the work in. You've got to enjoy putting the work in. And I don't mean the slog. I just mean the actual work. And the rest, if you are aware, will take care of itself. Now, I think a positive mindset doesn't mean you don't get down. No. It just means you are aware of being down and you're aware, as you've just said, of the things that are getting in the way, the obstacles. It's one big improvisation. You've got an objective, you've got to adjust, but you can't keep hold of that objective um, and, and ignore the moment. <laughs> yeah. Because life will run past you and you will get frustrated. The business side of this is brutal and really doesn't give a shit about you. No. Because as much as people would like it to be about the art of it, it's not about the art really. It's about a look and what you can sell and what you can't sell. And one of the real benefits to not just reading actors' biographies and also now that we have the benefit of listening to them do long form interviews on podcasts as you can listen to story after story of mm. people who are famous who yeah. are being interviewed and they you know them and they have had harrowing experiences where they have been fired where they have been told they've booked the job and turn down to other jobs. And then six months later, they hear that someone else booked the job and they're already shooting that job. They have, uh, Tony Hale actually on, on, I think on Mark Maron's podcast, WTF. And this just goes to show that you never know what the real path is. Gary, and your, your screenplay reminded me of that Buddhist, uh, story of the perhaps, you know, Oh, something good happens. Oh, that's really good. And the and the Buddha says, oh, perhaps. And then something bad happens. And they go, oh, that's really bad. And then he says, perhaps. And then as a result of that, something really good happens. And he's, they say, oh, that's, that's fantastic. And he says, perhaps. And it just goes back and forth where you don't really know what's good and bad. All you know is what's happening right now. Mm. And Tony Hale tells this story of how he lost out on this huge Broadway show and was devastated. And then a friend said, Hey, we're, we're doing a show upstate New York. Why don't you come and do it? And it's at, it's at this little theater festival. And he said, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I lost out on this big show that would have made my career. And, 
and uh, why not? I'll just go up and do it. And he went up and did the show. And one of his new castmates, boyfriends, happened to be a producer, came to the show, saw him and said, I love you. I love what you're doing and, and come and be in this other, in this other production. And that actually started his career. This right. moment mm. where he thought, oh, I've, I've just been rejected and I'm not going to make it. And I don't know what the shoots are going to just reach above the, the soil. Just pick. Exactly. You never know yeah. what of those decisions. And, and, and that's another impetus to, to not take it personally. And of mm-hmm. course it stings a little bit. Every time you, you find out you didn't book a job, it stings. But you, it's also, you go, well, that just frees me up for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have financial security, which is another whole issue, but if you have financial security, uh, at least somewhat, then you won't be dependent on each of these jobs for, for that, which is, as a freelancer, it's, it's a tough place to be if you're depending on each job that you get for financial security. But assuming that you have a day job that will be able to, to float you while you're looking for the right job then you can look at each time you don't book something as, well, that wasn't right for me. That wouldn't have been the right fit for me. And then that takes the sting out of it a little bit. Just one tiny point, and then I I think we can move on. You know, in the process of the development of the craft, many actors come into phases where they're stumbling, you know, where you're trying things and maybe you feel like you're beating your head against the wall or things aren't making sense or you've, you've... landed on a scene that's just dogging you and you just can't get it right. And it makes you question everything. And, you know, sometimes in the craftsmanship, we, we hit phases of, of uncertainty and this is normal, but what we're trying to talk about is the overall mindset and determination that you have. If you believe this is something that you should be pursuing in your life how to bring yourself back from the brink, not get to the brink, be a source of inspiration rather than desperation, and and find a way to ride the waves of a creative life with fun, with a sense of adventure, and with dignity, and, um, and hopefully, you know, that all of those experiences that you have as a human being will make you richer as a performer. 100%. Yeah. Right. If you guys have, uh, thoughts or questions about what we're talking about here in terms of mindset or your own strategies for keeping positive or keeping constructive, definitely let us know at Vagabond Actors on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're, we'd love to hear from you. Please let us know your feedback. If it's audio feedback and we can play it, then that's fantastic. We'd love to do that and, uh, and definitely get in touch. So we'd love to end each episode with a check-in about a piece of art or an experience that has been particularly inspiring to us or that we're looking forward to. What's been your wow this week? Um, What do you want to share? Brian? There's a little show that I watched some of the episodes of. I I watched the latest one, and then I watched the pilot and the first few episodes again called Rick and Morty. Has anyone heard of this show? It's um, absolutely fantastic. 
Have you guys, you guys know it, right? Rick and Morty? Yeah. I don't know it. I'm sorry. Tell me. You don't know it, Andrea. This is an animated a, series. I, I have a by difficult Dan time receiving many, many, many um, formats here in Spain. It's really difficult for me. So it's please, on, I'm it's not on, 85, but I do struggle sometimes <laughs> getting material. You've <laughs> turned, you've turned <laughs> imperial. Uh, it's it's a it's a fantastic irreverent and brilliant animated series by Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon. And Dan Harmon did Community. He did a brilliant podcast called Harmontown, which I highly recommend. And it is just this irreverent jaunt through this imaginative world. It's like misadventures of a mad scientist Mm. and his trusted grandson. It's on Netflix in the Czech Republic for sure. Maybe it's on in Spain as well, but for sure, check it out. What about you? What about you, Gary? (laughs) Well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to Oliver Gatz, who's been tweeting us and asked us a question a few episodes back and is an actor based in London. And he took up my recommendation of reading a Raymond Chandler book. The connection to Raymond Chandler is obviously Humphrey Bogart and the films that he starred in that were based on Raymond Chandler's books. But this week, I, I've i seen it a number of times, but not for a long time. I watched Casablanca and, you know, there are perhaps other actors that I prefer. But what I was reminded of and the brilliance of it, uh, and this picks up on another subject that we talked about from uh, a listener's query about scripts and bad scripts and good scripts. It's such a well-written, tightly written script. Mm. The scenes whip along. There's nothing spare. All the fat has been cut away so that Mm. every line and every moment and every beat has a purpose and it forwards the action and it is so forward moving. It just grabs you and takes you along. And on top of that, there's lots of well-drawn characters and very interesting characters. It was just great to be reminded of what, in a classic sense, what is really good writing and what is really good structure and not being afraid to just keep in what serves the story and, you know, dispense with the rest. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have, see it again. Great. Andrea, you said that you had some secret thing for this third part. I just wanted to share because I think one of the things that that draws us to a particular studio and keeps us there is it's the quality of the people that we that we become collaborators with. And I've always Mm. believed that, especially in a large city like Los Angeles or New York, if you can find a studio where you feel in sync with with the people and you really feel that you can can develop a true community there. It's a very, very special thing that can sustain you for many years as you, as you craft together. I had a Zoom reunion with friends of mine with whom I did musical theater back in college. It reminded me, again, of the many types of people that come together with shared passion for theater and for music and musical theater, um, off doing so many diverse and interesting things with their lives. And one of my dear friends, we used to perform a lot together. She even, you know, on the Zoom call sang a song 
a cappella that she had composed and just brought tears to all of our eyes. And it was really beautiful to be in touch again. And then I went back and was remembering that I, that Gary had recommended a piece of music and I had not listened to it yet. And so I just wanted to reiterate that the Lark Ascending by Vaughn Williams which is a, a single movement work and um, by this English composer. And it's based on a poem of the same name from the late 1800s. Is just stunning. Apparently it was originally written for violin and piano and it was completed just uh, during World War I. And it's really, it's so beautiful. I don't, I don't know that I have the words to describe it, but it was really a reverie. It's not a long piece. It's maybe 15 minutes, depending on the performance that you listen to. But close your eyes, sit back, see, see how the story of the music unfolds for you. It's quite, quite beautiful and has a very particular healing power right now that, that I think... Gary spoke about earlier, and, and now I know what he was talking about. So I just wanted to give another vote, please, for The Lark Ascending. It's great, isn't it? It's so It's very atmospheric. He came back from, I think it was the First World War, his experience of that, I think he, you know, he's in such such horror that he elevated himself into something, uh, which right. this was. But you know, for me, it's like you can take the title "Lark Ascending," a bird, and you can, you know, you can just mm-hmm. take that and listen to the music. You know, actually, it feels like a bird going about its business, you know, mm-hmm. flying about. But there's also, you know, once you get past that, there is a is a very sort of atmospheric, almost, you know, it's kind of life in 20 minutes or whatever it is, 15, 20 minutes. And it's just the, the peaks and troughs. It's the serene side of life, if you like, of an emotion. It's a serene emotion. Very ethereal um, piece no? and very rapturous and ethereal quality in, in sections. It's quite, quite lovely. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got to listen to it. Fantastic. So, Gary, where can people reach out to you if they'd like to reach out to you? If they'd like to reach out, you can get me on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gary Condes, uh, or better really to, if you want to drop me a line via my website, the contact page, which is garycondes.com. That's Gary, C-O-N-D-E-S.com. Excellent. And Andrea, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to get in touch with you? You can find me on Instagram at Andrea Helene 3 on Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene, and on Facebook as well under Andrea Martin, my other name. We'll oh, talk about no. that in another episode. Evil, evil Martin. <laughs> ah. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Brian Casp with an I and an E at the end on all the social media platforms that we just mentioned, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Otherwise, um, please like, share, uh, recommend this podcast to your friends and let them know that... Um, We want to hear from them and we want to hear from you. So give us your comments, give us your thoughts, and most importantly, be safe. Thanks, folks. Stay safe. Good night. Good night.